0: Classes. What a rainy morning. Yes. to anyway, Polly. Slow going. How about you folks from that side? Is it raining hard? Good thing you don't have a convertible. That's
1: good.
0: <laughs> I once had a Toyota Tercel that had leaks in it. Corolla had leaks in it, and rust leaks, and a sunroof. But the sunroof, the gasket, was hardened. Every time it rained, it would drip down onto us in the rain, and then rust on the on the trunk, and rust somewhere else in the body, and it would come down into the floorboard. We have puddles in the floorboard, in the trunk we'd have puddles in the trunk and the wheel wells. It was just. Not good to have rain. (laughs) So I do like rain normally, but not when the car is like that. Thankfully, cars today, at least my car doesn't have a leak in it yet. But uh, anyway. All right. Uh, Now, as far as schedules for uh, Christmas Day, Christmas do have services here. And check the bulletin you get in your email. And so the schedule for that is Christmas Day, services, regular time. New Year's Eve... No, New Year's Day, at regular time. And so, time to be here for those regular services. Okay. All right. Hello there, Mr. T. Long time ago, there's a program called the A-Team. Mr. T was the guy. And so we have our own Mr. T. All right, let's go to the book of Matthew tonight, tonight, today. Miranda comes in on the 20th, which is a couple of days from now. So I'm looking forward to her being home again. Mm-hmm. I have not gone grocery shopping but twice and it was just for small things. And so um, I'm afraid when she comes home she's gonna have to restock the pantry and everything else too, to be alright. Alright, we're gonna Matthew. Matthew chapter one. Now Christmas season. The Christmas season is the best time of the year for a lot of people, me included. I do like the the season, I do like the the trappings of Christmas. I like the lights, I like the atmosphere, I like the, the sentimentality of Christmas. I like the rain. And, uh, but more and more as I get older, the rain doesn't seem to affect me as much where I like it as much. It used to be in the summertime if it rained, I'd play Christmas music. I don't do that too much anymore. I do like to count every once in a while and smoke a cigar, but um, I don't do that too much nowadays. But uh, I do like the, the sentiment of Christmas. And it comes too often in the year. We look for it all the time and then it comes so quickly. And here it is around the corner. Now, you may have been a special boy when you were born, a special child when you were born. And uh, I think that's how it should be. And probably your parents, if this was, if you are the firstborn, you were very special to them. And I gotta tell you though, that no matter how special you seem to be to your parents, uh, Christmas is about a special son that was born. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came into this world. And it's all about the Lord. It's all about Him. And a lot of important things and good things in this life. But Christmas is all about Jesus Christ. And so I want to bring a short lesson today about um, the explanation of the Bible about how Jesus came to be. Now Luke gives more detail than Matthew does. Matthew talks about where he came from, his lineage, and how he's the bona fide king of the Jews. Luke gives more details about his birth. But let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and see some reminders about the Christmas story, as we call it. Now, whenever there's a memorial day of some sort, a birthday, a holiday, you want to review and recount the actual events of the original event or the person, whatever happened, good things. We want to go back and think about uh, christmas and what christmas is about and how jesus came to be how he came into this world matthew chapter 1 matthew chapter 1 verse number 18 christmas is all about jesus christ matthew chapter 1 verse number 18 now the birth of jesus christ was on this wise when as his mother mary was espoused to joseph before they came together she was found with child of the holy ghost Now, verse number one is really, really important. Every word seems to be very important. But the overall point of verse number one is that the birth of Jesus Christ was supernatural. Supernatural. The word supernatural is in play. The word supernatural is the word that I want to use. The birth of Christ, his conception and birth was supernatural. Uh, Matthew 1.18 says, On this wise. Matthew tells us where Jesus came from. And Luke tells us more about how how he was brought forth into this world. Now, uh, she was, uh, Mary was a spouse to Joseph. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary, was a spouse to Joseph. Now, this thing about a spouse to Joseph, is kind of interesting, because in the old Hebrew culture, and customs, and the way they did things when it comes to marriage, a lot of times there was arranged marriages. That wouldn't do too good today, would it? Arranged marriages. Uh, Son, you should marry this girl. Why? Well, because, um, uh, it'd be a good political move. <laughs> Not a good thing. Uh, uh, Daughter, you should marry him because why? Well, because uh, he's next in line for governor. Uh, that'd be just a purely superficial, selfish, uh, political gain kind of thing. A lot of things benefit from that. A lot of people benefit from political appointments and uh, helping this person get to this position. Remember me now. I voted for you kind of thing. That wasn't like that at all. But uh, it was very common to have a a, um, a, a marriage that was determined by the parents well when it comes to the spousal of mary to joseph there were three three steps to marriage remember this three steps to marriage in the jewish world of jesus time number one there's an engagement in which uh, oftentimes the the couple was arranged by two sets of parents and it'd be good for both of them and then there was the betrothal period uh the engagement becomes official and binding uh the betrothal period uh is kind of a long time a month sometimes a year sometimes 18 months and so they had to be apart. They lived with their own parents for that time. Uh, he would prepare for manhood, adulthood, to become a husband, uh, potentially to become a father. And she would stay with the mother, her parents, and she would learn more domestic skills. And uh, it's getting serious now because pretty soon, in about 11 months, I'm going to be the wife of this guy. And so she spent uh, 12 months at least uh, preparing herself for being a good wife. That's kind of a good thing. That's kind of a good thing. Many times in American culture, uh, people just get married on a whim. Not a good idea. All right? And so that might take a while. And uh, they're still with their parents and uh, a long period of time to learn more about the life of husband and wife. And then um, there's the marriage. There's the marriage. Now, that comes after the betrothal period. So Mary and Joseph, they were not together, living together here. And uh, so they're still in the betrothal period. We don't know what period it was, but there's, that's in that second, second stage of them becoming eventually husband and wife. But they were considered husband and wife. They just didn't live together. It's kind of a different way of doing things. Today people live together and then they get married. No, in this culture, good thing. They stayed apart until they actually had the ceremony, until they actually became husband and wife officially and before God. And so the formal sermon did not take place yet. And this is after, when they had the wedding, after the year of Betrothal. And so this is where Mary is, and this is where Joseph is. Before they came together, this is a key phrase in this Christmas story. Before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is why we say the conception and birth of Christ was not just normal. It was supernatural. It was supernatural. It was of God, of the Holy Ghost. And so Luke chapter one, come over there. Luke chapter one. Now when you go over the Christmas story again, you are reminded that the Son of God came supernaturally. No human seed, no Joseph Seed was not involved in his conception. And it was all miraculous, all of God. Luke chapter 1, verse number 34. Here's what Luke says. Luke 1, verse number 34 through 37. Now, Mary is not with Joseph, and an angel, his name is Gabriel, comes to her with a message. Verse 26, let's begin there. And in the sixth month, month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, espoused to a man, this is not a good thing, a man marries a woman, a woman marries a man, that's a good thing, whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Twice we have the reference to Mary as being a virgin, very critical to this true story. Verse 28, And the angel came in unto her, and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Now, this verse has been used by the Roman Catholic Church to overemphasize Mary's virtue and person. They have elevated Mary because of this verse to be the mother of God, that she was sinless, the immaculate conception. It's more about Mary than it is about Jesus. For she was given and granted a status of being sinless to bring forth the sinless Son of God in conception. Uh, that is just based on tradition and what the church has over the centuries developed. And it is not a Bible doctrine. Mary was not sinless. She was, by her own admission, a sinner that needed a Savior later on in Luke chapter 1. And so, in verse number 28, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Verse 29. And certainly that was a great honor and a blessing for her to be chosen to be the one to bring forth the Son of God. Verse 29. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. How would you phrase this in our time? How would you say what Mary was saying, what the Bible says Mary said? She was troubled at his saying, And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. How would you say it today? If you had this kind of a message from an angel. What would your words be? You know what it would be? Huh? What? Are you kidding me? No way! That's how we would say it. What is this all about? I don't get this. Verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. So the angel gives a preview about what he would be like. <coughs> Ultimately he would be the Messiah, uh, the king of all kings, and he'll be the reigning from his throne in Jerusalem. Uh, when the king would come in if it came in at this point, but it didn't. And so that's a preview of what the angel said. But look at verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now, I can see her saying it. It doesn't compute. You're going to bring forth a son. The Son of God calls him Jesus and this what he will be and this what he will do. Then said Mary, it's like she said, "Uh, excuse me, I have a question. Excuse me, I have a question. Yes? What is your question? (laughs) How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. What is she asking? How is this possible? How is this possible since I know not a man? Now that's a very that's a very tactful biblical way of saying. I'm not even married yet. Our marriage is not being consummated. We're still in the Bertronto stage. We haven't come together yet, normally as husband and wife would. We're not there yet. How can this be? So she's exasperated. She's just expressing her normal human feelings like we would. We're saying, I'm saying, that all of this leading up to the one word supernatural, supernatural, supernatural conception, supernatural birth, and then in verse number 35 and the angel answered and said unto her I understand your question (laughs) I know what you mean I get it as we would say the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God now we still don't know exactly how the Lord did this he just told us what would happen The Holy Ghost shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, because the Holy Holy Spirit overshadowed thee, shall be called the Son of God. That's too hard for the brain to comprehend. Now, can I ask you a question? Do you have to believe? uh, Do you have to understand everything the Bible says to believe it? Now, it does say this is how she would conceive, by the Holy Ghost. But the mind, the human mind says, I don't know how, how how is that possible? I don't understand the biology of this. Well, it's not biological, it's supernatural. It is supernatural. Is there anything too hard for God to do? The answer is yes or no. I mean, if God is all powerful and he can do anything, uh, is it possible for him to cause this young virgin to be pregnant by the Holy Ghost? but we don't have to totally comprehend but we do have to have faith to believe what it says and why should we not believe this because it says so there's so many other instances in which the Bible said some things that we don't understand but we found later on it is true history or science especially uh, always catches up to the Bible eventually many statements in the Bible especially in Job about um, geography, geology uh, climate climate things like that and of course how would job have known that but later on as we develop technology and learn about the earth we find out that there's a cycle of the wind around this earth and so on and the bible talks about that already Uh, in george washington's day they were going to try to help him by getting leeches on him it was a common practice and sucking up the bad blood and then they found it in leviticus the life of the flesh is in the blood And then there was disease passed on from patient to patient um, in history where uh, people are getting infected because doctors are washing their hands in a bowl of water and then going and then doing a procedure. uh, Carmen, doing a procedure and washing your hands in a bowl of water and going to the next patient and then coming back and washing your hands in a bowl of water and going to another patient and washing your hands in a bowl of water. Same bowl of water! And going to the next patient and transferring germs. So the next people get sick all the time until they found the verse in Leviticus about running water. Well, so those are some tidbits about the Bible being ahead of its time or man's time. So we don't have to always understand or comprehend or accept it, but we can believe it by faith, and then we can say, you know what, I don't quite get it, but if the Bible says so, that is true. Um have you ever have you ever had an experience where or um where you didn't quite understand something, but you did it by faith and it turns to be a good thing for you? Have you ever done something like that? Have you just trusted the Lord because the Bible said so? And you did it by faith or by trust or by obedience and you said to yourself, Lord, I understand this, but if I do this because you said if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. I'm going to do this, but I don't understand it. I'm going to do this. And it turns to be something like a great blessing to you.
1: Okay? Uh,
0: that has happened to to me and to you uh and so so often maybe and it just is i believe what it says therefore i don't have to understand now here's here's the fault of the world the world says i have to understand it before i believe it no the bible says thus saith the lord and you believe it and you by faith walk that way and then it comes out to be true and you say ah oh, i'm glad i did what the Bible says." if you have to wait until you understand everything, you'll never do anything you should do because you always want to get a perfect answer. It's not possible. All right, now look at verse number 35. We read that. Look at verse number 36. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Look at verse 37. For with God nothing shall be impossible. So, Mary is given confirmation that what happened to her, what will happen to her is a miracle. It's supernatural. And uh, she hasn't talked to Joseph yet. Joseph doesn't know what's going on. We'll come back to Matthew now. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. supernatural the supernatural conception and birth of jesus christ in his day was after he was born it was not accepted that he was born of the holy ghost later when jesus was an adult in john chapter eight he was criticized and he was he was suspicious of his birth of who his father was in john chapter eight as a matter of fact uh people asked and kind of said cutting remarks and critical remarks and uh, we of Abraham's seed we're not born of fornication that's John chapter 8 verse number 41 we don't we're not, we were born of fornication that was a sly sly way of saying we know who our father is who is your father Jesus hmm? who is your father you know what the rumor was back then and after, after this the rumor was that Jesus was Jesus' father was a Roman soldier. They just were suspicious of his supernatural conception. was a Roman soldier. Yeah, Mary wasn't that so holy as everybody said that she is. And that's how people talk. All right, well, look at this. Um, Matthew gets the story straight and straightens out the rumors by saying, The birth of Jesus Christ, verse 18, was on this wise. Here is what the story really is and so uh, Spurgeon said this there was no other way for Jesus being born had he been born of a sinful father how should he have possessed a sinful nature a sinless nature how can he be sinless in his nature if his father was a sinful father Joseph how could he be sinless if his father was sinful he is born of a woman that he might be human but not by man that it might might not be sinful. So the combination of the woman as the vessel, the man not involved, if he was, he would be tainted by sinful blood. And so because he was not involved, because the Holy Spirit was the one who uh, did this, then he was just carried in Mary's womb for nine months. And so therefore he is quite able to become what he was supposed to be, the sinless son of God. By the way, can you think of any other man who was born like this in human history? Any other man who was born like this in human history? Of the billions of men born, or even women, is there one that was born like this? This is a very unique son, the son of God. Now, in uh, Matthew 1.25, uh, let's go back to verse number uh, 19, uh, Matthew one nineteen. 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, that's to say he was a good, decent man, carpenter's son, raised right, a man of integrity and character, honest, morality. He's a just man. Then Joseph, her husband, verse 19, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was mindful to put her away, Privately or privately, now that's about divorcing her. The way to break the betrothal is by a legal divorce. Well, that'll cause a scandal. You're to get in the news. You know how people are in today's media if a conservative or a Christian, a church or a pastor or someone gets into trouble, does something literally really wrong, then of course it plays over, it just loops over and over again every time you open the browser. Here's so and so's face, and here's what happened. He goes, it goes, it's endless. They're just driving it, driving it, and driving it to remind people that this Christian's a hypocrite, and so on. Well, he didn't want that to happen to Mary. He didn't want a scandal, and so he said, "I gotta, I gotta get out. I cannot marry her." I, 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 man, I thought she was virtuous. I thought she was loving, but she's pregnant. I'm not the father. Gotta be somebody else. See, he's thinking as a rational man, but he, he's struggling. it can't can't be that she was unfaithful to me because, no, I I don't want to believe that. I I don't accept that, but how can I understand that she is great with child? I'm not the father. We never got together. She must have been unfaithful to me. No, 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 it cannot be. You see what's going on in his heart? He's going back and forth. He just can't figure it out. He is in a real, real pickle. As we would say, he's in a real deep kimchi because he just can't figure this out. I I know she's not like that, but I know her. I know her family. She wasn't raised away, but I, see, he's just, what am I going to do? But he's a good man. He's a just man. He's not going to make her humiliated in public. He's not going to be a big uh, thing in the media. He's going to do it quietly, as quiet as possible. But he can't. he can't marry her. Because apparently something happened and I, I don't want to want to say what happened. Joseph is talking, but something happened because she is pregnant. And I, I did. But I don't want to humiliate her. I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to shame her. I don't want to shame her family. But I cannot go through with this. And you know what happens? Look at verse number um, 19 again. He's going to put away quietly, verse 20, while well, he thought these things, you know that verse 20 is about, while well, he thought these things, he was consumed with the problem. While well, he thought these things, every, uh, every waking moment, he was thinking about it. He'd get up because uh, everything was on his mind, and in he said he couldn't sleep, he'd get up, he'd think about, oh no. Oh no, what are people going to say? Oh no, and that's what he was consumed with while he thought on these things. Behold, Verse 20, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Well, that's what the Lord said to Mary. You be conceived by the Holy Ghost. Now, he comes, probably it was Gabriel, but not sure. The angel comes to Joseph and gives him this word of assurance. Look, don't divorce her. Marry her because what has happened is not she's been unfaithful what happened to her it wasn't anything wrong what happened to her is something good and right she's gonna conceive because of the holy ghost well that was a shocking statement to joseph but it's a good thing a good word to joseph he was given assurance that it's okay to marry Mary. Mary, Mary. try to say that five times real fast it was okay to marry 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 oh you get tongue-tied you know but that's what happened and he was assured it's okay he thought of these things he was consumed with that thought and um, the angel appeared in the dream by the way I need to tell you this the message that he needed to hear to settle his heart give him peace of mind peace of heart was the Lord appeared to him through the angel through a dream now be careful be careful that you do not depend on dreams to give you the right message or give you a message. Don't trust dreams. Now, in the Old Testament and parts of the New Testament, you had God to people, communicating people with dreams or through dreams. But dreams do not always give you an accurate message of what God wants you to do. That's right. So, sometimes, sometimes, um, you know, you... Sometimes you are, you know, just dreaming and then things come into your head. And you think your dream is a message from God because you're thinking about something. Alright, you're dreaming away. Uh, And you have something in your mind. And that comes through and you think, oh, God is talking to me. I have an answer to my dilemma. I know what to do. It's going to be you will do something or you won't do something. And if you've been thinking about something like Joseph was, is something very, something very serious usually and it's coming through in your dream and you have a thought. You, you see some people that you think okay this represents me and, and something happens. You say okay this is my answer. You got to be real careful because that may not be God talking to you. As a matter of fact, normally today, God does not speak to you and to me as Christians through dreams. That is the most unstable, unsafe way to get a direction from God because dreams are very subjective. I dream all the time about certain things. What does that mean? I don't know. You may have recurring dreams that you can't figure it out. What does that mean? Who knows? Sometimes I'll see something in a day, or I hear something in the day, it'll stick to me and it'll come out in a dream. Now, tell what, I dreamed about so and so. She said, Well, you were talking about that earlier today at lunch. I said, Really? Yeah, you said this about so and so and so, And that's maybe just the way it processes in somebody's head. It is not a reliable way to get direction from God, a dream. It's almost like saying, um, When I was a little boy, I walk by a Catholic church in Conway called St. Anne's and I'd walk in there, the doors were always open and they had a little fountain of holy water and I'll do this. It tasted salty to me, it's just salt water. But I go in there, there's pampas in the foyer and I pick it up and there was a pattern. I remember it was about dreams. It was, okay now, this pattern is about so-and-so, this pattern's about so-and-so, some kind of saint. So they saw saints in cloud formations that's pretty. That's pretty imaginative to see saints in confirmation, and you see like that, well, that saint somebody, and that saint somebody. I said, "Wow, that's pretty interesting. How can they figure that out?" It's very subjective. The wind blows, and now it's saint somebody else. It's very subjective, and yet they find messages. I once was over in uh, ili visiting someone, and uh, a guy, uh, a guy, the neighbor was Muslim, and. Somehow we get to talking. I guess he waved and I waved back. We got, had a small conversation. And he said this, have you ever had a bird fly by you? I said, um, that's an unusual question. Birds fly around me. But you mean what do you mean, fly by me while I'm in the car? He said, yeah. You drive in the car and a bird flies by you? I said, but uh, this way or this way? <laughs> he said, it doesn't matter anyway. And he said, you know, when a bird does that, it's God trying to tell you something. A real conversation with a real man, a real neighbor, who told me that God was trying to give me a message if a bird flew like that. Now, for a bird, if I'm driving, a bird comes up to me, if I'm going 60, he's going 60, that is spooky. If I'm going 45, he's going 45, and he's waving at me like that, and give me the eye, that is spooky. It could be something else, but it's not God giving me a message. So dreams, dreams are like that, very subjective, do not depend on dreams. But at this time, the Lord used that to get His attention and to communicate to Him. It's in the Bible, it happened like that, but it's not the norm. What's the best way to get God's message to you? Well, one way is when you pray, God does speak to your heart or gives you an impression. That's one way. Another way is that when you go to the Bible, read a verse or see a principle, God sometimes can speak to your heart and to your mind and give you an answer to a problem or to a question that you're looking for or direction. This is more reliable than dreaming. Dreams are not dependable. Be careful about that. All right, so he knew her not. Look at verse 25, uh, Matthew chapter 1, and verse. Uh, I mean, let me back up. Uh, verse 20, 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now in Luke. The angel told Mary he's going to be a king. He's going to rule and so on. But here Matthew says, the angel tells Matthew something a little bit different, a little bit more personal. He says, she's going to bring forth a son. His name shall be called Jesus where he shall save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus, the name Jesus has special meaning, doesn't it? It has special meaning. Savior. Now, the word Christ is the Lord's anointed jesus christ is the lord's anointed savior Amen. and in the book of acts chapter 4 luke says there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved Amen. so he tells he tells joseph jesus will come to be the savior to save people to save his people from their sins now you have something that's introduced here very very serious He's come to be the Savior. A Savior does this. He does this. Save strong sin. So Jesus, the Savior, God's anointed Savior, has come, will come in Matthew 1, he tells Matthew, to save his people, the Jewish people. And of course, the rest of the New Testament tells us that he has gone to save not just the Jews, but Gentiles as well. Amen. To save people from their sins. I'll come back to that in just a minute. So, Mary's firstborn, Mary's firstborn, uh, look at verse 25. I'm somehow trying to get to verse 25 to make a point here. Yes. Um, after he wakes up from sleep, verse 24, verse 25, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, Jesus. All right, so the troth appears over. They have the wedding. They have the ceremony. They get married. And then it says here that he did not know her until until she brought forth a firstborn son. So Jesus was the firstborn, which is to say there was a secondborn and a thirdborn and so on. As a matter of fact, you remember that in Matthew 13, Jesus had four half-brothers named James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And Jesus had sisters, but they are unnamed. That's because men are more important than women.
1: <laughs>
0: we have greater value. And so uh, her, him being called the firstborn is important to know because later on, Joseph May had normal marital relations, uh, and so they had children after that. But he was the firstborn, which is quite significant to remember that he was not born after because she was a virgin, had to be a virgin. All right, look at verse number nineteen. Now, Joseph's going to put away, but he did not put away. Thank the Lord for that. And he thought these things. Special revelation from an angel, a supernatural birth. Special revelation from the angel to give him confirmation. His name is Jesus. And verse twenty-one, he shall save his people from their sins. The angel is very clear as to why he came. Made no bones about it. Why he came? He came to save. Now he came to save the Jewish people from their sins that was to say that all the religion that they had all their religion all their religion the law, under the law could not make them right before God, could not make them righteous before God so Jesus came to fulfill all the different shouts and types of the Old Testament sacrificial system and when he fulfilled that the law was done with as far as the ceremonial law and then now if a person would do one thing with Jesus Christ, that person will be saved. Here's the word. It's a good word. Saves, and then you have the word saved, past and saved. He would save any sinner if they trust him. Now notice that he would save from something. He saved them from their sins. Do you know that do you know that sin is the problem that man has? You think that the problem man has is a political party. You think that the problem that we have as Americans is Donald Trump. You think that the problem that man has today is the environment, the climate. We've got to protect this world. No, no. You know, the solution is not EVs. The solution is not going green. You know the solution is for man's problems? We've got to have some kind of relief from that. This is the problem here. This is a stick of dynamite. That's the problem. This is the problem. We need to be saved from that. That's the problem. Individually and corporately, the problem that we have in this world is not somebody else. The problem is me. The problem is you and your sin. Jesus came to save us from our sin. Amen. Our sins. And there's only one way that He could have saved us from our sins. Now, look. God in heaven looked down on this earth and saw man fallen in sin. God says sin has to be punished, sin has to be dealt with. But the problem with man is that if he pays for his sins, he's dead. He has to be, he has to be relieved of his sin, of his guilt. It has to be paid, but then he has to, he can't pay it for himself because he is sinful. You need to have somebody who is sinless to pay for a sinner's sins. And that's where Jesus Christ comes in. Now, Jesus sent his son to the world to become the sacrifice, the payment for man's sins. Jesus Christ's sin payment was satisfactory to the Father. And because the Father accepted God's, His Son's payment for sin, anyone who accepts His Son will be accepted by the Father. I hope you understand that. You accept God's Son, God accepts you. You accept His Son's payment for your sin, you be accepted by God the Father. Uh, there is no other way in which man could be relieved of his sin penalty, sin's guilt, and the punishment that is attached to that. There was a judge. There was a judge who went to a church, was a Christian, and because he was known to be a judge, everybody comes up to him, Hey, buddy, hey, brother. Hey, brother. Yeah, brother, I got a speeding ticket. Yeah, what's home to do? Uh, Can you can you pardon this ticket for me? Can you just dismiss it? He says, "I'll take care of it." Well, the judge is the judge. He's got a lot of power, you know, but he has to go by the law. And so, friends, just do that all the time. One day, a man asked him, "Would you would you um, dismiss my speeding ticket?" It's three hundred fifty dollars. He says, "You're going pretty fast, were not you?" He said, "I was." Says, okay, I'll take care of it. A couple of weeks go by, and the friend comes up to him. Uh, "Hey, brother, hey brother, did you take care of my ticket?" I haven't seen anything in the mail yet, so have you he said, "I took care of it." He said, "Well, thanks for thanks for thanks for dismissing it." He says, "Oh, well, wait a minute now. I can't just dismiss your penalty. I can't just dismiss your fine. I'm a law-abiding judge. I go by the law." Well, I, I, I thought you said you took care of it. He says, I did. I paid your fine. He says, what? I didn't want you to pay for my fine. He says, listen, I cannot just dismiss the penalty because the law is the law. I have to uphold the law. For me to dismiss this fine, I have to pay for the fine. So I pay for the fine. Therefore, it's removed. There's no penalty on you because I paid for it. Do you understand what that's about? Jesus Christ paid for our sin penalty, and God does not hold that against us when we receive His Son. We're free. It doesn't hang over our heads anymore. It's off. It's gone. Because He paid the penalty. He paid for the fine. And so, you know, people are funny. Um, We want the joy of Christmas without Jesus. How is that possible? We want the joy of the Christmas season, we want the joy of Christmas without knowing Jesus as our personal Savior. There cannot be any real happiness when there's this hanging over you, when there's a penalty for sin. There's there's no happiness in that. But there is peace in the heart and peace in the mind when we have been forgiven of our sins. So he said, the angels told Joseph, he will come to save his people from their sins. Now, there's more in verse 23. That's for another day, which is probably Sunday. But... um, all that was done to fulfill prophecy. Prophecies of the Old Testament, Isaiah, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, Isaiah 7:14. All this is about is God working out his time frame, his clock, so that prophecy can be fulfilled. And sure enough, just like God said in Isaiah 40, 50 years before it actually happened, the virgin conceived. A son was born, his name should be called Jesus. And he would save his people from their sins. Let me ask you this question. How many people have Jesus ha- has Jesus saved since he uh, came to this world? The number is just astronomical. You and I do not know how many people have been saved since Jesus Christ came. Billions. Billions. Billions of people. Just imagine when we get to heaven, what it would be like when people by the billions are adoring and worshiping jesus christ and thanking him for them even being there just imagine that so uh, christmas is a happy time because we know what christmas is about we know why jesus came and most of all when we receive his free gift of salvation we too can say i'm one of those billions you know that song they sang back in civil war Oh, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. You know that song? I don't have to sing that song. I say it differently. I know I want those saints to go marching in, <laughs> not because of my good work, but because of the merit of Jesus Christ, because He came to save. I do not know of another man born in this world that came to do that. That there are great inventors, great scholars, great whatevers, scientists and doctors and everything else, great. Great, great in every way, uh, deserved so to be called great. But nobody came to save the world of their sins except one man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Not. supernatural, supernatural, special revelation to Joseph to give confirmation, and he came to be our Savior. That is Christmas. That is Christmas. I hope this Christmas you are already thinking about how can I. How can I have a Christmas that is Christ honoring and worshiping the Lord, and also share gifts with loved ones and so on like that? And all of that is good. Uh, I'm not a scrooge. You should not be a scrooge and say bah much to gift giving and the Christmas tree, the Christmas lights, and you know. If you get kind of extreme, you can say Christmas tree is pagan and heathen. If you get extreme, you can say gift giving is not in the Bible. If you get extreme, you can say all kind of things that's not biblical because you want to be so right. Now, it's good to be right but to be so right so that you you just lose any kind of sense of uh, the christian life and happiness and joy and giving and sharing and all those kind of things I, I think you miss it but it all is centered around one fact we have joy and happiness because of jesus christ we can enjoy sharing and giving and receiving because the lord did that for us so it's a good time of the year and don't spoil up being an old grouch, you know, being Scrooge. Now, unless you're Chinese. Chinese are Scrooges by nature. But, um, I, I kind of joke about that because um, that's how the perception is. Chinese people in Hawaii are just, you know, tight and all that. And that may be true to some degree. Only because, um, they understand the value of a dollar. But, um, we don't, we don't sit in the fence trying to make a dollar and 15 cents. We don't do that. But um, as a Christian, you understand Christmas and what it's about. And His birth is supernatural. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we belong to a Savior that is worth of everything we can honor Him with. Worth of everything we can give to Him or do for Him because of why He came and what He did for us. So we have received, we have received the gift of God, which is eternal life, and that can never be taken from us. One year, some commercials say, and this year it's Kashmir's. and this year it is a Lexus. It cracks me up because it's so funny that people think of only material things when they think about Christmas. Uh, when you think of snow, think of a white Lexus. Okay. I've never thought about white legs and think about snow. I think about cold and fun and all that, snowman and snowballs. But not about white lexus. So the idea is that everything about Christmas is material things. Well, it's part of it. It certainly is a part of it. And there's nothing wrong with getting material things for sure. But that's, that cannot be all about Christmas. it has got to be something more than Christmas, to Christmas than that. Okay? All right. So that's just one thing about Matthew and about the birth of Christ. There's more... Uh, at 10 30 10 there's more on wednesday there's more on sunday next week on christmas day there's so much we can say and we'll try to say a lot more about christmas and about the son of god who deserves all the praise and honor and worship we can muster up to give to him he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy all right uh, let's take a short break and then we'll come back for prayer time